This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. I invite you to be seated for this lengthy reading. I also invite you not to follow the reading, just listen to the story. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar. It was near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was high noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. You see, his disciples had left to go into the city looking for food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? You see, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus asked her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket. This well is pretty deep. Just where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, get your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you were a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, indeed it is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples returned, and they were astonished that he was speaking with this woman But no one said to her, what do you want? 
And no one said to him, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left, leaving her water jar. She went back into the city. (coughs) She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Well, surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, In four months it will be harvest time? But I tell you, look around you. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Now many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Aren't you glad you didn't have to stand for that whole thing? I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning tells the story of how a Samaritan woman, and indeed an entire village, came to faith in Jesus. Our story concludes with these words. They truly are the linchpin of this story. The last sentence says, We know that this is truly the Savior of the world. We know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Realizing our need for salvation and recognizing who it is that can save us, that's the purpose of Lent. Hear that again. We are going through this Lenten season to help us realize our need for salvation and discover who it is that will save us. And so it is today on this third Sunday in Lent, we read the story of a people of an entire village who meet up with Jesus, who realize what they have been desiring, God's salvation in their lives from that moment on. Now this is a story that is unique to John's Gospel. It does not appear in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And it has some dialogue which Jesus speaks in metaphors that just seems to go over the heads of the people that he is talking with. I told the congregation at 8 o'clock, if you're a person who tends to take notes, if that helps you remember the sermon, either mentally or otherwise, I'm going to tell you right now, there are four points 
to this sermon. There are four points of interest in this story to me. The first point, and perhaps maybe the most important, is this. This story of salvation would have never taken place had Jesus not taken a few risks. Had he not broken conventional rules, had he not crossed established boundaries, rules and boundaries that were created by prejudice and intolerance. And we, the church, who can become bound by tradition and we have our acceptable norms, I think we need to hear this message. We are told in the very first sentence that Jesus is traveling through Samaria. Well, that's a no-no to begin with. In Jesus' day, Israel was divided into three territories running from north to south. In the northern territory, you had the area that was called Galilee because it was around the Sea of Galilee. And further in the south, you had the territory of Judea also called Judah, centuries before, during the time of the kings. And in between Galilee and Judea, in the middle, was a territory called Samaria. Samaria was where the Samaritans lived. Samaritans were people who were half-breeds, if you will. Centuries before, when Assyria had come and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, the Samaritans were Jews who had intermingled and intermarried and intermixed with the Assyrians. They were no longer pure-blooded Jews. And therefore, they were despised and they were hated for the Jewish people for being impure. In Jesus' day, if a person was in Galilee and they wanted to go to the capital city of Jerusalem in Judea, they wouldn't have made a direct line through Samaria. They would not have gone through Samaria. That was a no-no. No, what you did was you crossed over the Jordan River in the north, you traveled down the east side of the Jordan River, and once you had gotten past Samaria, you would cross back over the Jordan River and back into Judea. But you would not have gone through Samaria. And we are told in this story this morning, Jesus is going directly through Samaria. And he arrives at this village called Sychar. Centuries before, this village called Sychar had been called Shechem, during the time of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had erected a shrine, an altar there. It was a place of, a holy place, a place of of worship. And we got that in the dialogue this morning where the woman is saying, well, our ancestors worshiped here on this mountain. But you Jewish people, you're saying the only place to worship is at the temple in Jerusalem. So there's this enmity over where is the proper place uh, to worship. So anyway, Jesus arrives at this village called Sychar, or Shechem, and Jacob's well is located there. He is tired, he's thirsty, he is hungry. The disciples evidently have gone off into the village foraging for food. They also are hungry. And while they are away, Jesus has this encounter with this Samaritan woman. And here, he notice, he continues breaking all the rules. First of all, he's a rabbi who is speaking to a woman. That's a no-no. He is speaking to a Samaritan. That's a no-no. She's an adulteress. She's been married five times. That's a no-no. He's breaking all the rules. And 
He asks her for assistance. Give me a drink of water. He is willing to drink from the same vessel as this Samaritan woman. Now if caught, both of them are in grave danger. No self-respecting Jew would be doing this. And the woman knows it. (laughs) She says to him, why? Why are you speaking to me? Why are you asking me for these things? You know you're not supposed to be doing this. Put it in today's terms. Where would no self-respecting Christian ever want to be seen? Where would you never want anybody to catch you? Who is somebody that you would never seek out to have a conversation with, that you would never desire to talk to? Well, that's where Jesus is. And that's who he's talking to. He is not interested in what other people think. He's not interested in their prejudice, in their intolerance and bigotry. He is out to save lives. The harvest is plentiful. That's the first point of this story. Jesus is breaking all the rules, and it would have never taken place had he not broken the rules. Every single one of them. Second point of this story is this. We have dialogue going on here at two different levels. There is the level at which Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is speaking in terms of eternal matters. Jesus is concerned for the woman's soul, for her whole person. Then you have the level of dialogue demonstrated by the woman first, and then later Jesus' disciples. Their level of conversation is speaking in terms of things temporal, earthly matters, things that you can touch, taste, smell, hear, see. And Jesus basically tells this Samaritan woman, you are concerned for the wrong things in life. He said, if you really knew who I was and what I'm able to do, you would ask for more. You are not asking for enough. You know, we can be just like her. We can go through our lives absorbed and obsessed and concerned with earthly things, earthly matters, temporal things, things that you and I can get our hands on. I dare say, if you consider our prayer lives, a lot of our prayers, prayer time and air time with God is spent talking about temporal, earthly concerns and needs. Not unlike the Israelites in our first lesson this morning. They're wandering out in the desert. They've run out of water. They're thirsty. And they cry out to God. Why in the world did you bring us out here in the desert to die of thirst? We could have just stayed in Israel and had all the, or Egypt and had all the water we wanted. But no, you bring us out here in the desert. Are you our God or not? Are you going to do something about our situation here? And we read of how God provides for their temporal needs. Now later on in that story, they're going to get greedy and they're going to ask God for more than they need. And God's going to get angry with them. Well, this Samaritan woman in our story this morning, she is consumed with earthly concerns, which are numerous in her life. 
She is an outcast woman among an outcast people. She has no visible means of support. Her earthly needs are great, and she is absorbed by them. Until Jesus draws her thoughts away from earthly matters and shows his concern for her whole being. There's more to life than earthly things, says Jesus. They only make us thirst for more things. What happens when they give out? And they're going to, you know they are. What then? Elsewhere in our Gospels, we hear Jesus' words ringing, and he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And just two weeks ago, on the first Sunday of Lent, Jesus is doing battle with the devil in the desert, verbally speaking. And he reminds the devil, he says, man does not live on bread alone. And then Jesus has a similar conversation with his disciples. They too were absorbed with earthly hunger. And they've forgotten what Jesus is truly about. And they're mad as heck that he's having this conversation with this woman. Jesus is trying to get them to see beyond their earthly concerns, their earthly conventions, to what it is they are to be about. Look around at the harvest, says Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer. It's all right here. Enter into the labor. So that's point two. You have this dialogue going at two different levels. Jesus talking about eternal matters and people who are concerned with temporal matters. Point number three. It is actually the woman in this story who demonstrates the work that Jesus' disciples are to be about. When Jesus is talking to them about food that they don't know about and looking at the harvest around them, in a sense, this woman, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but this woman becomes the first evangelist in our Gospels. What do I mean? Well, after she meets Jesus, she leaves a different person. She goes back into the village, witnessing to everyone who will listen to her. And she invites them, come and see. You are not going to believe what I have just experienced. I want you to experience it too. She becomes the paradigm, the model of what we, the church, are to follow, what we are to do. She meets Jesus at the well. She receives the grace of God there. She receives a new relationship with God. And then she goes and she invites others to experience what she has experienced. Come and see. You and I, we meet Jesus at the well, at the baptismal font. There we receive the grace of God. We are given a new relationship with God. And from that font, we are to disperse and go and invite others. Come and see experience what we have. That is what we are to be about, exposing others to the means of salvation. Fourth and finally, this story, I think, reminds us that Jesus isn't near so interested in our past as he is with our future. 
You know, this woman is a woman with a past. We would not have been able to get past her past. Every time we saw this woman, it would be going through our, house, through our minds how many men she had slept with. We just wouldn't be able to look beyond that. We know where she came from. We knew what her life was and what she was like. We would not have been willing to forget it. Jesus, on the other hand, says that her past is not the essence of who she is. Her past does not determine her future. That, my friends, is determined by the grace of God. My friend and mentor in the faith, now of blessed memory in the church triumphant, his name was Raymond Shaheen, wonderful, wonderful pastor. He used to say to me, Tucker, I was on internship when I first heard this from him. He said, David, every saint has their past and every sinner their future. Jesus is concerned for our future. God desires to give us far more than we are asking for. Trust God to provide not only for our temporal needs, earthly needs, but ask and trust God to provide for our salvation. Amen.